Well, good morning and welcome to everyone here, those joining us at our online campus and our Bush Lake campus. It's so good to be together and happy new year to you. My name is Zach and I have the joy of serving here as the multi-site pastor as well as the Bush Lake campus pastor. And just a really brief word about today. Um, originally, my good friend, Pastor Ben Rosenbush was supposed to uh, speak today. He was supposed to, to teach with us this morning. However, I got a call from him on Friday uh, that he came down with an ailment, and so he can't be with us today, but it's my honor to, to step in. Yes, someone's really excited about that. <laughs> it's my honor to, to step in and be here present with you today. So today's message really is a collaborative effort between Pastor Ben, a lot of his content, and just uh, some of my voice and personality uh, brought through today. But we're on it together, together because we have just moved through another Christmas holiday season, and we are stepping into this new year. And as I look out across uh, the room here, and if I could be there at Bush Lake, um, I'm, I'm sure that really we're coming at it from a variety of places. You know, because some of you, you're like, yes, New Year is here. Okay, I got my coffee, I got my resolutions. Maybe some of you are even up at like five this morning crushing your resolutions already. You're just ready to go, or you're ready to get after it. And then there's the rest of us. <laughs> That we're just like, I'm just, yeah, I see one. Yeah, like that's me, yeah. I, we're just like, I'm just trying to get through the day, much less the year, okay? And uh, I mean, just the other night I saw on Facebook something pretty fun. It, it said, you know, before I accept 2022, uh, I'm gonna need to read the terms and conditions. <laughs> okay, someone's like, amen to that. Yeah, that's so true. But I think that we can all agree that no matter where we're coming from, we could all use a little infusion of hope. I think that we could all use a fresh start of hope in our lives. But I don't think that's true just for us here today. I think that that's true for uh, people around the world because when we survey the landscape of our culture today, people are longing, they're desiring for a fresh start, for new hope. And in fact, there's a, a practice that goes on here in the US down in Santa Fe, New Mexico, um, where the community of Santa Fe comes together and they actually erect a 50-foot marionette named Zazobra. You can see a photo here, terrifying, I know. Yeah, you've got nightmares now. Welcome to 2022, folks. Okay, but artists and other volunteers would come together and they would build Zazobra. They would bring cloth and wire and wood all together and they'd place it right there in the, the middle of town. And the, the community, the neighbors would come together and they would actually fill Zazobra, um, kind of this, this marionette that stood and symbolized doom and gloom. They would fill him with things of the last year. Uh, they'd write down on pieces of paper the places that they were frustrated or the things that they wanted to leave behind. Maybe for some, they would write down police reports or speeding tickets, okay? They might put in there contracts that were never upheld or maybe even for some divorce papers and they would fill up Zazobra to the very top and then this festival would occur with dancing and music and fireworks and right at the climax of the festival, Zazobra was actually caught on fire. Even more of a nightmare for you now, okay? But it really symbolized that at that moment, as Zazobra burned, so did all of their doom and gloom, so did all of the things of the past year with the hopes of receiving something new, this newfound sense of hope. And I think that we just, as human beings, we go through great lengths to experience hope, do we not? I mean, what about you? Okay, we're not gonna put a giant 50-foot marionette out in the parking lot here at Chan or at Bush Lake, but if you were to write something on a piece of paper that you wanted to kind of symbolically burn or, or leave behind, what would it be? 
You know, I think for us, you know, probably two, three, maybe even for some, a dozen things we could probably put on paper and to say, you know what, I'm ready to turn a new page. We're looking, we're longing for a fresh start. We're looking for new beginnings. We are looking for a newfound sense of hope. And the evangelist, Billy Graham, he put it this way. He said, our world today so desperately hungers for hope, yet uncounted people have almost given up. There's despair and hopelessness on every hand. Let us be faithful in proclaiming the hope that is in Jesus. And it's really that last part. Let us be faithful in proclaiming the hope that we have in Jesus that will really drive our conversation today. That's our big idea. I want us to learn how we can proclaim the hope of Jesus maybe to ourselves, but not only that, how we can proclaim the hope of Jesus to the world around us. And so it's a message on hope. And we're gonna be looking at hope in three different ways, just to give you a little bit of a roadmap for our time together. We'll look at three things. First of all, we'll look at how we can get hope. So what does it mean to get hope? Second, we'll look at growing hope. How how can we grow hope in our lives? And then third, how can we give hope? Uh, How can we be those that bring the light and the love of Jesus's hope to the world all around us? So get hope, grow hope, and give hope. Well, we come to our very first point, and it's really anchored in the text of Jeremiah 29, 11. And this is a familiar verse for, for many. And what I wanna do is I wanna invite all of us, wherever we're at, to unite our voices as we read the words. They're there on the screen, you should see them. But let's read this together. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Okay, this is a familiar verse, so much so that it's probably one of the most top 10 verses that's tattooed on people's body. They find so much comfort in it that they literally want it there under their skin. But not only that, I mean, we see uh, people giving graduating seniors a a, a devotional that says, for I know the plans I have for you, or we slap it onto a coffee mug. Uh, We are so familiar, but I think sometimes whenever we become so familiar with a passage or a verse, that the meaning can get a little bit diluted. And so what, what I want us to ask really is this question, how by God's grace can we get hope? Okay, how in this passage, as we go through it, can we see hope revealed to us in new ways? We're gonna be placing Jeremiah 29, 11 under a microscope, and we're gonna go through this phrase by phrase to really see the beauty of these words that are portrayed. Okay, but let's just dive in. Let's unpack it. Uh, The author, Jeremiah, begins by saying, for I know the plans I have for you. And that word plans and the Hebrew is the word chesev. Um, and, and really, it's this, this beautiful word, but the, the author repeats it actually four times. He says, um, for I know the plans I am planning for you, plans to give you a hope and plans to prosper you. It's repeated throughout in this verse, in this little passage. It's just like, in case you missed it, God has big plans for your life. But the word hasev doesn't necessarily just mean the day-to-day plans that you have. You know, sometimes we wake up in the morning and it's like, man, What is the plan for my life? Am I gonna wear that shirt or this shirt? Am I gonna choose this career path or that career path? Am I gonna choose this retirement plan or that retirement plan? Am I gonna marry this person or that person? Yes, those are all important questions, but those are just a part of God's chesed, his plan that he has for you and me. And really, whenever we dig into this, this, it's this idea that God is a creative and imaginative God, that he's really 
laying before us this grandiose plan that is far greater than we can even hope, think, or imagine. And his desire for us is to live into this greater plan that we can have a grander vision of our lives in such a way that we are thriving and we are flourishing and we are abounding in it. How do I know that? Well, because he continues along. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, the plans that I'm planning for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm. Okay, not to harm. There's no malicious intent in God's plans for you and for me. But then he goes on, he says, plans to prosper. And in the Hebrew, that word for prosper is actually the word shalom. And many of us might be familiar with the word shalom, but it means peace. But it's not just the peace that means the absence of conflict or the absence of anxiety. No, peace here really means unity. It means completeness. It means wholeness. It means to to thrive and abound. And so God wants us to live in this grandiose purpose and plan in such a way that we are abounding and we are experiencing fullness and wholeness in him. And then he concludes and he says, for another plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm, plans to give you hope and a future. And these two words, hope and future, they go together like a handshake Uh, Future is speaking about God's good intended purpose, the the event at the end of time when everything will culminate in that until we can see Jesus' perfect victory before us. And hope, well, well, hope is in many respects kind of like a a strong cord or or a rope that we are holding onto, Uh, much like a life preserver thrown out to us uh, that's pulling us towards that future, that good purpose that God has planned. And so if we were to really paraphrase Jeremiah 29, 11 and, and bring some life to it, we could ultimately say this. God says to each one of us, for I know the grand purpose I have designed you for from the beginning. It is my enduring purpose for you to make you completely whole and not abandon you to the emptiness of evil. It is my good purpose for you to bring you into the promised future, a future which I make present to you through hope. As we said, hope is like that rope that we're holding on to, that, that it's really just something that is helping us to endure and persevere no matter whatever it is that we might be experiencing. And, and so really, this short verse becomes a microcosm of the grand story which ultimately culminates in Jesus. In fact, biblical scholar N.T. Wright, he, he said it really well. He said this, resurrection was when hope in person, namely Jesus, when hope in person surprised the whole world by coming forward from the future into the present. So what is N.T. Wright saying? He's saying the picture that we have of our future should ultimately impact the hope that we are experiencing now. Hope isn't just something far off in the future land, but it's something that we can experience here and now, that Jesus is giving us a foretaste of what is to come. And this is how we get hope, that we remind ourselves that we see this foretaste of hope to come in our lives. Now, let me illustrate this for you briefly. Uh, I'm a dad of three. I've got two uh, little ones that are up and mobile. And um, whenever it gets around the holiday times, okay, this might just be me and and my friend Ben, but um, this might be true for you as well. But when we get around the holiday times, right, there's so many cookies and, and so much candy out, is there not? And it's like a constant battle of like, no, don't eat the candy, don't eat the chocolate, okay? They're running rampant trying to eat it, okay? Any, anyone going to amen me on that? Any parents in the room? Yeah, there we go. You're with me still. So what is it that we do? It's, it's called bribery. I mean, it's called parenting. <laughs> because what stands between them and dessert is supper. It's dinner. So what we do is we give, give them a little bit of a 
foretaste, a little piece of chocolate, a little piece of cookie. Isn't this delightful? Isn't this delicious? Now, make sure you eat dinner. That really hard thing that's right in front of you, you can persevere knowing that on the other side of dinner is your dessert. Okay, that's what we can see. We can ultimately get hope because hope, even now in the present, a futuristic picture is still present with us now. We're, we're seeing, we're feasting on little glimpses of foretaste of what is to come and that's how we can ultimately get hope. That's our first point. Okay, but now we come to our, our second point. And the reality is that we're not called to just kind of get hope and like, you know, sit there and it's like, okay, good, I'm done. I'm, I'm wiping my hands a bit. No, throughout scripture, we're called not to stay stagnant, but to grow. Okay, much like a baby eventually grows into a young man or a young woman, much like a uh, seed that is planted is called to grow into a beautiful flower, so too are we called to grow and we're encouraged to grow hope as well in our lives. But when we think about growing hope, it's not always easy. Okay, and I don't have to ask the question, but has it ever been hard to have hope? Okay, has it ever been hard or difficult in your life to keep hope alive? You know, for us, this is just part of our human condition. It's a universal experience uh, realized by every single person. The reality is that we've all had our hope challenged by something or by someone. And for some of us, it's been really a tragic way that our hope has been challenged. Uh, but we can take solace in the psalmist's words. Uh, the Psalm 42 says this. It says, why? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Okay, the reality is that this is some's anthem right now. You're sitting there, you're like, yeah, that's, that's my word. My soul is downcast and my soul is disturbed. But the reality is that uh, scripture doesn't skirt these questions or these issues, but I appreciate that the scriptures speak into it and it gives us encouragement and gives us hope because the psalmist continues along in 11b, it says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. And so something amazing is happening here in verse 11b. It's really a practice that we can apply into our lives. It's really a way that we can begin to see hope growing and birthing throughout our lives. And so what I wanna do is I wanna give you a little bit of a Hebrew grammar lesson, okay? Yeah, she's ready. But here's, here's the Hebrew lesson. <clears throat> the word here, is, whenever it says, put your hope, is one word in Hebrew. And it's important, it's really kind of three observations about it. It's a one, two, three punch. The first thing is put your hope, it, it's not a noun. The, the word there is a verb. Second, it's not only just a standard verb, but the verb here, put your hope, is an imperative verb. There's a command, there's authority behind it. But then the third part about it is it is what in Hebrew is called a hithel verb. Okay, what is a hithel verb? I'm glad you asked. It's this, it's an imperative verb that causes a command given to actually come to fruition. It's a causation verb that the action commanded by the verb will actually happen. Okay, y'all got that? You tracking with me? Okay, let me give you an example. Suppose you walk outside today, and I know none of y'all are gonna do it because it's like negative 100 out there, but suppose you did and you planted seeds. Okay, then all of a sudden, you looked at that seed and you said, grow! And then all of a sudden, the seed started to grow and flourish right in front of you. That's what this is getting at, to where it's saying, hey, you know what, soul, why are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed? But then it says, put your hope, soul, put your hope in God, our Savior and our Ransomer. 
And so what we can ultimately see is that the psalmist in the face of flooding despair and difficulty models for us a practice that we can adopt, that we can gently and confidently speak hope into our souls. And so this wonderful sense of God's presence can begin to take root and grow hope within us. Now, just, just a quick word around this. Uh, I'm not just saying like we can s- simply speak our sufferings away. That's not what I'm getting at. This isn't some sort of transaction or some sort of self-help uh, tactic, but this is really a journey. This is a journey of engaging God's grace and a practice modeled for us here in scripture uh, that God meets us in a really real place. I mean, we, we just celebrated that through Christmas, that the word became flesh. Jesus Christ, God, became incarnate. That, that he is with us, that he is journeying alongside of us, that no matter what we might be experiencing, he's with us step by step on the way. And so when we look ahead to the New Testament, when we look to uh, Romans 5, we can actually see Psalm 42, 11 in light of Christ. It says this, it says, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, what's that word? Hope. You mean to tell me that on the other side of my suffering, there is hope? That these two are actually somewhat connected together? I think that we could say this, that sometimes in our deepest, darkest, most despairing moments, the light of hope shines brightest because we know that we have Emmanuel, God, with us. That he doesn't leave us or forsake us, but he is right there with us. And not only that, not only is he present, but he's growing hope within us, that he is producing within us a character, a refinement of our lives to become more and more like Christ. That's what it means to grow hope, friends. Uh, That's what it means to see Christ with you in all things. It's not just a futuristic picture, but it's also the person and the presence of Christ with us through it all. And so we do see this. We, we see that we can get hope by seeing the foretaste of what is to come. We can grow in hope by realizing that Christ is present with us, that he is uh, refining our character through the work of the Holy Spirit. But now we come to this third point and we realize that we're not called to just kind of steward it for ourselves, to, to kind of uh, bottle it up. We can't keep this hope to ourselves, but we are ultimately called and compelled to give hope. Uh, we're called to give hope away. And when we look at the scriptures, uh, we see this consistent theme repeated throughout, that there's this sort of rhythm to life, that as God gives, we're called to be pipelines or conduits of God's good grace and God's goodness to the world around us. In fact, this is our, our rhythm that we have here at Westwood. Uh, that we say we are a community with open hands, receiving from God, believing that God wants to give us a lot because God gives abundantly. And with open hands, we joyfully give it all away, knowing that we can't outgive God. This goes true for hope as well, that we are called to grow hope and give it all away. And so to quote N.T. Wright once again, he reminds us that being filled with God's hope commissions us into the world. It gives us a calling, it gives us a job. He says this, people who believe in the resurrection, in God, making a whole new world in which everything will be set right at last, these people are unstoppably motivated to work for that new world in the present. And so once again, what is N.T. Wright getting at? He's saying what we will experience there should impact how we live here. The, the ethic that we see there in heaven should be our ethic here on earth. And we remember the words of Christ whenever he said, on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to give hope away. And as we think about how there impacts here, now the next question is, well, God, who is here? 
the, the reality is, you do know this, right? God is bringing people into your life for you to give hope to. He's bringing people into your neighborhood, into your classrooms, into your sphere of influence. Uh, who are these people? <clears throat> we can care for the sick. We can care for the vulnerable. We can care for those who are experiencing homelessness. We can care for those who have lost jobs or lost loved ones. Uh, we can uh, care for those who are experiencing hardships of mental health, physical health, or emotional health. The list goes on and on and on. Our world is starving for hope. And we, filled with the spirit of compassion, can be a, a community on mission, becoming a wide stream of generosity, fed by hope and love. And in this way, we can become an act of hope and an embodiment of it, just as Jesus became that embodiment of hope to you and to me. But it's not just an individual pursuit of bringing hope to others. No, what we see is that we're actually called to do this as a community as well, to be a community on mission, to be a community bringing hope. In fact, Hebrews 10, 23 and 24, it says this. The author reads, let us hold unswervingly, I love that word, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Okay, when we see this, the author is saying, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. And then at the very end, he's, he's getting this idea of what is the end result of that? Well, that we're gonna showcase love and good deeds, that there's a connection, that there's motivation in between them. But then he also says that there's one little word right in there, which really just jumps off the pages at me. And he, he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. Now in the Greek, that word spur, uh, it can mean to provoke or to irritate or even to pester. You know, it kind of has that negative connotation. But whenever we begin to see the end results of, of, of spurring one another on and the fact that it's resulting in love and good deeds, it has a positive connotation. But allow me to illustrate. Many of you know, um, I grew up in the great country of Texas. I mean, the great state of Texas. <laughs> Happy New Year, y'all. <clears throat> and I did a number of tex very Texas-y things growing up. And yes, from time to time, I did ride a horse in Texas. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is me right before I headed off to college. So, you know, young guy there. I've got my cowboy hat on. I've got my cowboy boots. But what you don't see me wearing in this photo I am not wearing spurs. The reason for that, I know this horse doesn't look very big, but there is no way that I am going to spur that horse because what happens when I spur that horse? That thing's gonna start moving and shaking. That thing might even throw me off, okay? I'm not gonna get there and be like, yeah, and spur it, okay? No way, say y'all. Okay, the five of you, thank you. I've got something for you after the service. Come find me. There's no way I'm doing that because I don't want to get thrown from this horse. But what you can see is that spurring, much like hope, motivates us to movement. I mean, here's the reality. See the hope that God is growing within us. It will provoke our apathy into action. Hope will irritate any coldness of heart into fires of compassion. Hope will spur us on to joyfully partner with God and his good work. This hope simply won't let us check out. Hope moves us to want to step in. And so friends, as we get hope from God, as we grow hope through God, may we be people who give hope away. 
And I, I just want to conclude with a, a, a story that I heard recently of someone who got hope, grew in hope, and gave hope away. We have missions teams here at Westwood, one of which is our Africa team, and they spent some time uh, at the tail end of last year in Ghana, working with some of our ministry partners over there of Globe Serve and IJM, International Justice Mission. And these organizations, they really partner together um, to, to partner with God to bring an end to the atrocities of the slave industry in Ghana. Uh, there's a slavery uh, industry that's running rampant on the fishing industry of Lake Volta. You can see a photo here of Lake Volta. And the reality is this, yes, friends, slavery still exists in pockets of our world today, but God is at work to bring freedom to those who are experiencing this darkness. And so on one day, our team sat down with one of the pastors who was there. They sat down and, and he began to share a story of a young boy who was caught in the slaving industry uh, because they wanted to give a, a real life example of that. This pastor said, you know, this boy, he grew up with his mother and, and they were in a family, they were in a home that didn't have much resourcing but the mother always had a hope of sending her son off to school to have a better, brighter future. But of course, no money, no school. Until one day the boy's uncle came through and he knew their desire and he said, how about I adopt this boy and I take him and I send him off to school. And they both said yes with excitement and anticipation, absolutely. And so the boy left his mother to go for what he thought would be schooling with his uncle. However, he was thrust quickly into the fishing, the slave industry there. And it was alongside other young boys, many of whom didn't even know how to swim, who would dive down into the murky waters of Lake Volta to untangle fishing nets that were caught in submerged trees. Many boys caught sick. Many boys were beaten. Many boys were uh, unable to swim and ultimately drown. It was a hard and a difficult life. And this young boy spent 12 and a half years as a slave never once able to go to school. Until one day he grew, about five years went by and a chaplain came to him and said, you need to rebel against your, your slave master, this, this man named Jonathan, you need to find your freedom. And there came a night whenever he was bigger and he was stronger and he came to his slave owner and he said, I'm done. And the slave owner drove him out of his house and beat him like he had never been beaten before. But alas, he was free. But he had no job, no school, and no roof over his head. And so filled with anger and rage and bitterness, he sought out to, to go through and make a living for himself. He began to uh, fish at night using other people's boats, finding whatever means he could to put himself through school. As a teenager, he sat in classroom with younger kids trying to learn and, and trying to grow. And, and after some time, he was sitting in class when a chaplain came to him and said, God has sent me here to minister Christ to someone. And it was through that encounter and through that relationship that later on at a prayer meeting, one that he didn't even want to go to, he accepted Christ as his savior. He got hope. And not only did he get hope, he began to grow in hope. Now he's experiencing the life-transforming work of Christ. All of his anger had subsided. His stubbornness was giving away to peacefulness. Hope was growing within him. He was reunited with his mother. And she looked him in the eye and she said to him, now I have the boy I gave birth to. But it wasn't just that, because as he continued through schooling, which had eluded him much of his life, his new next step that emerged was for him to take a step towards Bible school. Uh, though he was hesitant at first, a friend and mentor encouraged him that God had called him to preach with his life, and he completed his training in 2018. He got married, and he and his wife birthed not only a beautiful girl named Rhoda, 
but they also birthed a new church in the city of Tamale. Now the pastor who was sharing this story with our missions team, he said, there's one more thing that you need to know about this young boy. He said, I am that boy. That boy had become a man of God, doing God's kingdom work, and his name is Pastor Francis. He got hope. He understood that Christ is present with him in all things and that Christ was growing his character. Against the backdrop of darkness and despair, Christ gave this man and his beautiful wife and family a calling to be a part of something far grander than they had ever hoped, thought, or imagined. But it continues along. Not only did he get hope, not only did he grow hope, but he was also beginning to give hope away because he sat in a class one day in junior high and he wrote down kind of this pipe dream of just thinking to himself, I want to start a school for children who don't have the funds for their education so that they might experience what he could not as a child, that they could avoid the slaving industry and pursue an education. And so he wrote down, someday I hope that this comes true. And through the help and the provision of Christ, his dream is ready to sprout because this year, 2022, is the year in which his school is set to start. Friends, he gave hope. Amen to that. So pray for Pastor Francis. But I just want to ask you, it's not just something that Pastor Francis experienced in Ghana, but it's something that we experience here today, even now. Where do you find yourself? Do you need to get hope? Do you need to grow in hope? Do you need to give hope? I think it's a rhythm that we can live into and if we're frank, it's a reminder that we need each and every day. And that's why today is such a beautiful day that as we come to the table, we can remember that hope isn't just some far off thing. Hope isn't just a, a, a cognitive thought. Hope is a person. If you know Jesus, you know hope. We sing about it. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And so for us today, it means to see him, to fix our eyes upon him. And I realize that for some, some of you don't even know who Christ is. And, and all he says is, uh, you call on my name and I will give you life and I will give you hope. And so friends, as we receive of these elements together, this bread and this cup, his body and his blood poured out for us, may that stir within us, within our hearts, a newfound sense of hope given to you and to me through the person and work of Christ. Would you please stand with me as we pray? <clears throat> Gracious Father, we thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus, uh, born of a woman, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But not only that, Jesus is still present with us today. It wasn't just 2,000 years ago and it won't just be however long into the future, but Jesus, you are present with us even today. Your goodness, your glory, your grace, your hope is present. And so as we receive now of these elements, this bread and this cup, may we set our eyes upon you, the hope of our hearts. We thank you that you keep your promises to us. We hold on to you, we cling to you. May our souls be anchored with your grace today and tomorrow and on to the end. May we pour out what is poured into us to this world around us so that this world might find wholeness and perfect peace in you. May we see you in new ways. 
We pray all this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.